Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yannion. Today is lesson number four in Lessons in Redemption. We'll talk about what's going to happen when we stand before the Lord and sinners stand before the Lord. The issue is not going to be how good a life we live. The answer is going to be, who were we in? Were we in Adam or were we in Christ? We were born in Adam. We can die to Adam, be reborn into Jesus Christ, and the whole issue comes back to it. We're in heaven because our names are written in the book of life. Join me today for a fascinating study in redemption. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. This is the fourth and the final lesson I'll be taking up on this area from the Word of God of our redemption. And we've talked about redemption. We've also talked about the fact, really trying to locate the problems of our life. You say, well, I'm a Christian now, but I still am tempted with the things of the world. How can that be? Well, it's because it's called the nature of the flesh. And really was introduced in the garden when God said to them, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And again, I've said this before, but I'm gonna really emphasize it again on this last day that I'm speaking on this. We have thought for years, and it's been taught from the pulpit, Adam and Eve already knew good. All that was introduced was evil. No, the tree introduced a good they had never seen before, human good. Satan's substitute for divine good. All that Adam and Eve had known up until that day was divine good. The grace, the mercy, the goodness of God. And all of a sudden when they sinned, what they did was the first thing they did was they covered themselves with fig leaves. This is human good. It's a type of religion. It's temporarily covering the eternal problem we have, and that is with good and evil inside of us. The good that's produced out of an unbeliever is not acceptable to God. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. And we're told in Isaiah that our own righteousnesses, this is human good, which came from the tree, that our human good is as a stench in God's nostrils. He can't stand it. Nothing from your flesh will please God in the flesh dwells. No eternally good thing. So what man does is from his flesh, he offers good and evil. And he thinks if I come before God and my good will outweigh my bad, my good will outweigh my evil, when both of them come from the flesh, you have no production in you to produce divine good. That comes the moment you reject the human good and reject the evil and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what comes in then is something greater than the nature of the flesh. Do I still have the nature of the flesh? Do I still have good and evil? The answer is yes, but I have something to override it. It's the new nature on the inside of me and I can openly declare to the nature of the flesh in me, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You came from the world, you came from the world system, you came from the temptation of Satan, but I'm here to let you know I have the gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And when I learn to walk in the spirit, I will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So let's take a look at Romans chapter three, verses 20 and 21. And let's talk about what is God's answer for the nature of the flesh. How can we walk free from it, even though we have it? And then how can we, if it overcomes us, if we say yes to the temptation of the flesh, how do we get past that? Again, we come by the simple blood of Jesus Christ that saved us is also the simple blood of Jesus Christ that will forgive us of daily sins. And so we get born again by accepting Jesus, but 
but after we're born again and we're a child of God, sin can separate us from fellowship with God. It cannot separate us from relationship with God, but we again gain fellowship with God by confessing our sins. He's faithful and just forgives. This is how a believer comes before God for redeem or from uh, for forgiveness of sins, as opposed to a sinner coming before God for forgiveness of sins. A sinner becomes a child of God. The new birth, after that, you, when you come to the Lord, you come to him as a child of God and you accept forgiveness of your sins by simply confessing it. Romans 3, verse 20 and 21 says this, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. And the deeds of the law can be good deeds or they could be areas where you have problems in your life, but simply coming back to it by trying to keep the law, no flesh, you can underline no flesh, that is no one will be justified in his sight for by the law is the knowledge of sin, notice singular. The purpose of the law was to reveal the nature of sin in us or what's found in our body. We took it up already, that's why it's called the flesh. The purpose of the law was never to save us, the purpose of the law was to point to the problem. And the problem is inside of us and that problem is is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It became a part of us. It became a part of our human body, part of our human anatomy, part of the members of our body. And what God is simply saying is, you don't understand. The world doesn't understand how to get saved because they don't understand they have a problem. To understand you need an answer, first of all, indicates you have to understand you have a problem. And the answer is for the problem. That's why, let's read the verse again, verse 20. By the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of the nature of the flesh, the nature of sin, the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law, that's Jesus Christ is manifest being witnessed by the law and by the prophets. Let me just simply give you a description of this. You know, my, one of my favorite questions to ask Bible school students when I first get with them is this, how were people saved in the Old Testament? And you'll get one of two answers. Well, uh, by keeping the law. And I'll say, well, the Bible says by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. And then they'll go, well, by animal sacrifices. Well, Hebrews chapter 10 tells us it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to remove sin. I, then I say, okay, I'm coming back to it again. If they weren't saved by keeping the law and they couldn't keep the law, and no one could keep the law, and they weren't saved by animal sacrifices because the Bible says there's no blood in any humans or any, any there is no blood in any animal sacrifice that can save them, then how are we saved? Well, the point of it is we're saved like everybody else has been saved. They're saved like we were saved. It comes back to it, the purpose of the law. Listen, isn't this interesting? We often think that before Jesus Christ came, the plan of redemption for the whole world was found in the law. If that's true, why did God just give it to one nation? If it's for the whole world and the whole world's supposed to get saved by keeping the law, then why didn't God give it to the world? Why did he give it to such a nation? And on top of that, one of the smallest nations on the face of the earth. And then tell them this, this law is not to be taken to the world. What was to be taken to the world? Isaiah 52, seven, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of them that bring glad tidings. You know what glad tidings is? It's the Hebrew word for good news. You know what good news is? the gospel. They've always been saved by the gospel. Before the law, how was Abraham saved? Abraham had faith in the Lord. It was accounted to him for righteousness. That's how they were saved before the law. How are they saved? During the law. 
Well, in chapter four of the book of Romans, we have two men standing side by side. One is Abraham, one is David. And Abraham, it says of him that Abraham was justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And so he was saved by faith. But the next one that's mentioned there is David and says, David wrote this, happy is the man whom the Lord imputes not his trespasses against him. What was God simply saying? Here was a man that was saved by faith before the law. The next man that's mentioned was saved by faith during the law, and we are saved by faith after the law. Before, during, after, it's always been by faith in Jesus Christ. But what was this time period right here where the law was given? It was given by Moses and lasted until Jesus Christ went to the cross. The purpose of the law, as pointed out by Paul in Galatians, the law was our schoolmaster. Our schoolmaster means the Jewish nation. That's who it was given to to take to the world. He said, but the purpose of the law he said the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be saved by faith. The purpose of the law was not to save a person, but to point to the one who could. The law pointed to you and says you can't keep it. All the written laws, you can't keep it. And the purpose of the law was to expose the problem in you, and the problem in you is the nature of the flesh, the nature of sin. You cannot overcome it. It can only be overcome by Jesus Christ himself. So what it's simply saying is the purpose of the written law is to show you you're the problem. But what's the purpose of the sacrifices to show you the answer for you're the problem? Jesus is the answer. The purpose of the sacrifices was to teach of the one that can save us, can redeem us, and the blood of animals represented the blood of Jesus Christ about to come. And that's why we're told in Hebrews chapter 10 that once the perfect blood of Jesus Christ came, there's no more need of animal sacrifices anymore. The perfect blood of Jesus Christ replaced the imperfect blood of animals and the Animal's blood only represented Jesus Christ to come. Once Jesus Christ came and shed his per, His perfect blood and shed a blood that could redeem us for eternity, all sacrifices were out the window and Jesus went to the cross. And when he said on the cross, it is finished, he was referring to the law. He came to fulfill the law and the sacrifices. And once we understand that, we understand. Here's the main part of the gospel. I'm a sinner, I need a savior. That's what witnessing is. Our whole message to the world is you're a sinner, you need a savior. And that is the purpose of the law, those two areas. So you know what the law did? The law just simply taught about the one that could save. The law, if you ever went to the law to get saved and say, stop, no, no, no. I, and then point you to the one that can save you. I am your schoolmaster. I am your teacher. I am your instructor. And let me tell you what I'm supposed to. Here's my entire purpose as the law and the sacrifices. My entire purpose is to show you you're the problem. And Jesus Christ is the answer. And all this again came to, and that's what they were to take to the world. Think about this for just a moment. Jonah took his message to Nineveh, but what he didn't take to Nineveh was the law. No one in the Old Testament was to take the law to the world. The law taught them the simple truth of salvation. You were born a sinner, born in Adam. Now you need to be reborn into the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what did he take? What did he take to Nineveh? When Jonah got there, he preached from the top to the bottom, from the king down to the peasants in the street, repent, repent, repent. And you know what they did? They repented. He didn't walk down the street saying, men, you need to be circumcised. You need to quit eating pork and you need to, and you need to 
stop doing all these things that are contrary to the law. None of that was ever preached because none of that will save you. Every part of the law was to point to Jesus Christ as the answer and you as the problem. So it simply comes back again, this is what the purpose of the law was, was to reveal Jesus Christ and to reveal us as the problem, Jesus is the answer. Take a look at verse 21 again. But now the righteousness of God without the law. The righteousness of God without the law is Jesus Christ is manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets. And in that we find again our answer. Our answer is redemption through Jesus Christ. So it simply comes back to this. Where does the law come from? The flesh. The law comes and amplifies the flesh. Although the flesh itself and the nature of the flesh came by the tree, you have to understand the tree before you can understand salvation from the tree. Before you enter into relationship with Jesus Christ, you have to understand your problem. I am a sinner. I need a savior. And by doing that and accepting Jesus Christ, do you still have the flesh and the nature of it after you're born again? Yes, but you have the new birth. You have the presence of the Holy Spirit in you, the greater one in you, to where as you begin to learn to walk in Jesus Christ daily, you can actually walk above sin, walk outside of sin and realize something. Jesus Christ has saved me not only from sin, he saved me from sinning and give me the power so I can walk free from sinning. And when we come back, we're gonna take up at Romans chapter eight. But again, I wanna thank all of you who are supporters of this ministry, have supported me for many years, and those who have started supporting me in the past numbers of months. I just simply wanna say thank you and welcome to the team. Thank you and welcome to our disciple group. Like Jesus had a group of disciples, you're my disciples that are following after me, but we're spreading this message. The message of God's grace from every part of the Word of God, Old and New Testament. And so again, I thank you for joining us. If you're not a member of those who support me, if you are not part of the partnership group that supports me, I'd love to have you do so. Go to bobgandian.com. You'll find a place there on the face page where you can become a partner with me. I look forward to you joining me. I will see you right after halftime. Romans New Testament Commentary is a verse-by-verse teaching of the Book of Romans from the personal study notes of Pastor Bob Yandian. In his letter to the Romans, Paul clarified the principle of justification and whether it is by deeds of the law or by the work of God. Paul reveals that the law has never been a means of salvation and that faith has always been the means of spirituality regardless of the dispensation. This epistle also helps us to understand how we may gain victory over the flesh. If we as believers walk according to our new nature, the inward man, we are controlled by the Holy Spirit and not the sin nature. To order Romans New Testament Commentary, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College. And I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult, but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. Go to my website, bobtheandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. 
You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Well, welcome back. We're now winding this thing down, talking about the nature of the flesh and all this. Let's just go to Romans chapter five. We're gonna take a look at verses 18 through 21. Here, we're going to simply bring it down and identify the purpose of the law. Again, the law was our schoolmaster. We studied this in the first half of this broadcast. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. After we come to Christ, we're no longer under the schoolmaster. That is a very simple analogy, but we're gonna take a look at it from another direction here in Romans chapter five, verse 18 through 21. And here it compares the offense that came because of Adam's disobedience and then eternal life, which came because of Jesus Christ's obedience. And in verse 18, it says this, by the offense of one, judgment came on all men to condemnation. Even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came unto all men to justification of life. In that one verse of scripture, we compare what happened in Adam, what happened in Jesus Christ. And the result of what happened in Adam and the result of what happens in Jesus Christ. So by the offensive one, judgment came on all men. I want you to notice something in here. It doesn't say by the offensive one, judgment came to those who accepted it or rejected it. No, by the offensive one, judgment passed on all men. We had no choice in it. I was born a sinner, you were born a sinner. I was born in Adam, you were born in Adam. I was born without eternal life, you were born without eternal life, but we had no choice. I've said it before, but this is the, one of the few areas of life you can actually stand up and say, it's not my fault. It's not your fault. Honestly, that is the truth. What happened in Adam passed on all men. And the moment that Adam sinned, the reason why all men died at that point because it's us, all men were in him. All men were inside of her. So literally it simply passed on everybody. But it goes on to say, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came on all men to justification of life. The moment I was born into this earth, I had no choice to be a sinner, but I have a choice to get out of being a sinner. I have a choice to come into Jesus Christ. Here's the point. You can say into coming into this world, it's not my fault. But when you end up going to hell and rejecting Jesus Christ, that is your fault. Or if you go to heaven, that is your choice to do so. In other words, I had no choice in being Adam, in Adam, but the moment I'm in this earth and I reach a point where I can understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know what happens? I realize I have a choice to get out of Adam. And my simple choice to get out of Adam, all hell can't stop it. Satan can't stop it. All these things, and I have a free choice to come into Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at verse 19. For by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. That's everybody. By one man's disobedience, that's Adam, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, that's Jesus Christ, many shall be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Here's why God introduced the law. The law entered that the offense might abound. There was an offense there, but you couldn't see the offense until the law came because the law amplified the problem, which is the offense. Verse 20 again, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin singular abounded, grace did much more abound. 
Verse 21, that as sin has reigned unto death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 20 says this, moreover the law entered. Let me just give you a simple breakdown. This verse right here is taken from the Greek theater. And the Greek theater had so many things in it. Here's what happened. There was one that walked up on, on the stage and he was called the hypocrite. Hypocrites is the Greek word for it. And the word hypocrites doesn't mean just what we often think about, just a, a person acting like somebody else. No, it came from the theater. And what it was, was a person came on the stage and they had a mask over them and had a big smile or had a big frown. And it indicated to the person, to the people that were there, this guy is evil or this guy is good. And so no matter how good he acted, if he had a mask on with a big evil look on it and a frown on it, then that's what this was. This was the hypocrites. But I want you to notice what this is. It said, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Here's another thing. There may be on, let's, let's just go back for just a moment. I remember some of the old Westerns where I was around. Of course, you remember the Westerns where, you know, the sweet little girl was about to be taken advantage of by the man who's going to come and buy up her whole, uh, you know, acreage and stuff like that, offer her a little bit of money. And she thinks she got away, you know, with a good thing. And no, this man just ripped her off. And so there was an evil man on there. You see, he had a big mustache or something like that. And this girl was about to be taken advantage of by him. And he was going to get well. Then we find out that uh, there's another guy in there and the other guy that comes in there is the nice guy. He's the hero, but he comes in, but you don't know he's the hero. He comes in and he's on the platform. He's on the stage right there. And here's what happens is the girl decides she's not going to sell. And all of a sudden the man takes her and takes her and ties her on the track and he, she's going to be laying there and he's waiting for the train to come by and kill her. And so he's off on the side, but here we have Dudley Do-Right comes riding in and he comes in at the last minute, unties her, pulls her off. And then all of a sudden he comes in and the purpose of why he is on the stage is to point to the villain. He is there to expose the villain. What was the purpose of the law? There was a villain in our life, a villain this earth called the nature of the flesh, but we couldn't see it. We thought a human good was what pleased God, but it didn't. And God had to send an actor on there, a minor actor that appeared for a moment. And the purpose of the minor actor is to expose the problem, to expose the one that breaks the law, to expose the one who is the evil one. And the evil one here was the nature of the flesh. What was the purpose of the law? It came on, stood on the side and simply pointed to the one that was the problem. We thought this guy was the great guy. We thought that ourselves, within ourselves, we could save ourselves. We could do all this thing. God's going, no, no, that's the problem. The problem is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in you called the nature of the flesh. But I've got to expose it. So he sent the law in, a minor actor that came in for a period of time and his total thing was in verse 20, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Whenever the law exposed the problem, which was sin, which was nature of the flesh, singular, he also exposed the answer. And the answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace did much more abound. Verse 21, that as sin has reigned unto death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's the whole essence of what we do when we witness. We simply come to them and tell them you can't save yourself. I don't care if it's good or evil coming out of you. You can't be so good that somehow it's gonna override your evil. 
because both come from the nature of the flesh, both come from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so what mankind thinks is the answer has really been the problem all the time. The purpose of the law is to say, no, you can't save yourself. That's what the written law is for. No, it's going to take a salvation by somebody else. That's what the sacrifice is for. They both teach you, and the law is your schoolmaster to bring you to Christ. That once you come to Christ, you're no longer under the schoolmaster, and you begin to find out my thing that I thought was my answer was my problem the entire time, the nature of the flesh. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, in Adam, all die. You have no choice, but in Christ shall all be made alive. You have a choice to get out of Adam and get into the Lord Jesus Christ. You were born in Adam, no choice. But once you can reach a certain age, you begin to understand the gospel, the preaching of the gospel, you have a choice to come out of Adam. And the moment you do, the moment you say, I'm going to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior, the moment you make that choice, what happens then is you die in Adam but then you're reborn into the Lord Jesus Christ. We died with Adam. We were in Adam when he sinned. We received all the consequences of what he received when he sinned, and we were born in Adam. The moment I was born into this earth, I was born in Adam, and I was in need of salvation from the time that I was born in this earth. Once I grew to a point where I could, at five years old, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord, as my Savior, and Romans chapter 5 and verse 15 calls this the gift of grace. Being in Adam is no choice. We were born there. Being in Christ is a choice, and being born into Christ is a free gift. When Adam disobeyed, all of us disobeyed. We were in Adam. So when he disobeyed, that disobedience went to all mankind. When he fell, we fell. The whole race was put in jeopardy. God doesn't deal with us as a field of corn, all standing independent. God deals with us as with a tree, all limbs and branches coming from one trunk and one root system. What am I simply saying here? Somehow we have this idea because we look at ourselves and we see ourselves as good and evil. And we say, well, the good has to outweigh the evil. And so if the good outweighs the evil, I'm sure God's going to let me into heaven, not understanding that both good and evil come from the nature of the flesh. Both good and evil come from the tree of which God said, don't eat of it because that tree produces no good thing. In my flesh dwells no eternally good thing. And so you talk to all mankind and all they can see is I've got good in me and I've got evil in me. And I trust that I can do more good than evil and God will weigh them out one against the other. That's not how eternity is looked at by God. It simply comes back to this. Most people think I'm a stand before God. And as I stand before him, I'm a stand before him like a stalk of wheat. And the next person will be as a stalk of wheat. The next one, I must stand before God and I'll be judged as an individual. And judged as an individual, God will run down and go, huh, you did this and this and this. Yes, you did and did this. And you know what? It seems like your good outweighs your bad, so we're gonna let you into heaven. And if your first thought is, of course, well, of course I'm better than this guy. I knew this guy and he's not as good as I am. So surely I'm gonna get to go to heaven. The point of it is God does not judge you as an individual stalk of wheat standing before you. God deals with you as a limb attached to a tree, and you're either attached to a living tree or you're attached to a dead tree. The branches coming from one trunk and one root system are separate from the tree next to it. You are not judged like a stalk of wheat 
all by yourself know you're judged as to what you're connected to. I was born into this earth connected to a dead tree. The moment I was in this earth, I died immediately. But there came a day when I decided I'm going to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I died in Adam. I was replaced into the Lord Jesus Christ. And today I am alive, not because Bob is great, not because I've done great things, not because of my good deeds or my bad deeds. I am alive to God for one reason. I am attached to a living tree. I separated from a dead tree. And no matter if you're in a dead tree, I don't care how many limbs you've got, you're not alive because of yourself. You're alive because you're attached to a living tree or you're dead because you're attached to a dead tree. We're born attached to a dead tree. And one day I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now I have been born again. I will not get into heaven because of what I have done, my good or my bad. In fact, I'll get to heaven despite those things because one day I accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and the Savior of my life. And the moment I did, God's life now pours into me. I will stand before God and he'll ask me one question. Why should I let you in here? I'll say, because I'm attached to your son. When I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I received eternal life. And the moment that happened, I now stand acceptable to you to go into heaven. And God will open up the door and say, come on in, Bob. Come on in and enjoy heaven forever and forever. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can do it right now. Simply open up your heart and say to him, Jesus, I accept you as the Lord of my life. I can't save myself. My good and my evil count nothing in your sight. Only one thing counts. Have I accepted Jesus? Am I attached to a dead tree or a living tree? By accepting Jesus, I'm gonna be attached to a living tree forever and forever. See you next time. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.